Two weeks in a row, is that right, with rain? We're thankful for the rain, aren't we? You guys act like y'all are just slow today. So let's, we gotta, maybe we need to do some kind of an activity type thing so we can run around, everybody get excited about what's going on, right? Steve, you awake? All right, we're going to take that. Good to see you guys today. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Family Matters. We started it last week with Dwight. We were blessed to have Dwight here and also Travis share a little bit of his testimony. And uh, if you weren't here last week, it'd probably be good for you to go back and pick that up because it was a great Sunday um, as Dwight talked to us a little bit about parenting and Travis shared a little bit of his testimony. Travis was in here earlier. I was picking at him. You know, he had to have a little attention, so he has to go to the emergency room on Sunday night after sharing on Sunday morning. And so he ended up in the emergency room, had an, uh, an emergency appendectomy the next day, and uh, um, they found some spots on the kidney and some spots on the lungs, but before you get all stealth, you know, start diagnosing everything, um, we have a habit of doing that, don't we? I mean, we get something, all of a sudden we go to the computer and we start talking to people, and before we know, we're on the way out. But uh, they, did a, they did a test, and he's got a cyst on one of the kidneys. They're going to go back and do, I guess he had um, some pneumonia several years ago, so they think that might be some scar tissue. But just bring in prayer for Travis and Allison. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I said, just milk it for all it's worth. All you can, make a good, good thing of it. So, uh, but uh, make sure you just remember them in prayer. So we're in the middle of this series on, on family matters, and... And let's just be honest, I think anytime we talk about family, there can be tensions that arrive, uh, arise. Oh no, Steve, we, this church is not made up of perfect people, okay? Because I know y'all and y'all know me, and so we're not, we're, this is not made up of perfect people, I promise you. Every one of us live in glass houses at any moment in time. What we know to be true has the ability to be uh, impacted. And so, you know, for me, when we start talking about family structure, I go back to the way that I was raised because I was raised in a traditional family in North Florida where I had my mom and my dad, my brother, and my sister. And, um, and so, uh, matter of fact, my mom and dad still live in the same home that I was pretty much raised in, and they've been married as of this February 60 years. Um, and um, that is not the case in many instances today. But when you start talking about family, there's all these different emotions that have a way of arising to the surface. You know, you mentioned the word mom or dad or brother or sister or aunts and uncles or nanny and papa or grammy and grampy or whatever. You know, there's these emotions that have a way of surfacing because they're, they're, they're just they're, they're different types of family makeups these days. And the structure is so different than what it, than what it used to be. Um, you know, and if, if that's where you are, you know, sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes the thoughts, the thoughts and the memories are not very good. I mean, when I look back, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Um, but for some, it's not really that great. As a matter of fact, it's painful. And I, I want to say to you, and Dwight sort of made note of it the other day, you know, when you start looking at the scriptures, you have to realize that you're not alone because there's not a lot of really good examples of family or the family structure inside of the scripture. It's just not, it's not there. As a matter of fact, you know, if you get into Genesis, I mean, just, just in the book of Genesis, for goodness sake, I mean, you've got murder, you've got sexual immorality, you've got deceit, you've got jealousy. 
I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff, and you've not even left the first book of the Bible. It's just that way. And so how, how is it that, 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 you know, we talk about this series, Family Matters, and what I want us to do is understand that family does matter, and that there is hope in the midst of the chaos, because this is what's happening in, in many places. There is chaos that's happening in the, in the homes, whether it's inside of the marriage or whether it's inside of the parenting or whatever it may be, it may have to do with finances, but there's a lot of chaos that's, that goes on. And I know that because I have lots of conversations on the outside with people, never with you guys, okay? Never any conversation, it's always people on the outside. But I know that there's just lots of controversy, there's lots of tensions that exist today. And so what I want to do is, is over the next little bit is, is we want to walk through some of those. Um, you know, when, when we start talking about um, the, the New Testament, we get to the New Testament, Paul takes the teachings of Jesus and he begins to preach those. He begins to teach those to the believers in the places that, that he went. And what Paul preached and what Jesus taught, and he's following up, it went against the culture of, of the day and time. And so there were a lot of times that Paul and the teachings of Jesus went against the culture. As a matter of fact, when you, when you start talking about women and children, women, let's just think of women, for, for instance. Uh, women were not valued very much at all. As a matter of fact, they were known as a commodity, okay, a commodity. Can you imagine that, women? You're a commodity. And that's the way it was in that day and time. As a matter of fact, there was a, there was a Roman orator or philosopher, and this is what he had to say in reference to women. Our ancestors, in their wisdom, considered that all women, because of their innate weaknesses, should be under the control of guardians. Okay? Isn't that a great statement, ladies? I can feel the tension rising in the room, the hair on the back of the neck standing up. And so, um, but in reference to children, it was the same way. You know, um, same, there was no value for children. As a matter of fact, Many times they didn't even name children until later on down the line because they didn't even know if children would, would survive birth. And then how many times it was very, very prominent during that day that they would adopt other people because they didn't like their children or they didn't trust them, so they would adopt somebody on the outside to come in and they would adopt them as their own so they could leave an inheritance to them instead of one of their own birth children. And so when Jesus came along, his teachings didn't always line up with the culture. And so there was these, this conflict, especially as it related to women and children. But Jesus gave value to both women and children. And when Paul came along, he continued in those teachings. And I, I think that you would agree with me that women and children have pretty much fared better in cultures and in areas where they have held on to biblical um, biblical teachings. I mean, would you agree? And that when, when um, women and children have not fared good in areas where they have rejected biblical teachings. But as popular as, as the teachings of, of Jesus may have been, and the teachings that Paul would have given during that time, this is what happened. It offered hope in the midst of chaos. Because what Paul taught was that Jesus didn't die just for men, but he taught that Jesus died for women and he died for children. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, regardless if you're a man, a woman, or child, or regardless of your age. And when we're going to talk about family, there's just a couple of passages. And today is going to sort of be an overview. And, and this is what I know. I feel like 
there's going to be some emotions that are going to begin to to surface over the series because that's what family does. When there are relationships that are involved and there are situations that are involved, there are tensions that are going to rise to the surface. But the only thing that I ask from you is this. Listen, don't run. Don't run. Don't, 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 don't follow your, your, your feelings of wanting to, to go hide in a corner someplace because that's not what this is about. But it, what it's about is for us hearing really from what Scripture has to say that family matters. It's true. Family does matter. So I want to show you a passage of Scripture. We're going to be in, in the book of Colossians. Go in the New Testament to Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. I want to look there just for a second, and then I'm going to move over to the book of Matthew, and we're going to see some words in a conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees in reference to divorce and marriage. And again, today we're just going to, we're going to light on top just for a second. That's where we're going to be at. We're not, we're not getting down deep, but I want to hit on top, and we want to rise some things to the surface, and then I'm going to finish up. But let me read to you what it says as, as Paul writes to the church at Colossae there in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, and look at what he said in reference to the family and family relationships. There, Let's start at verse, verse 18 in, in the book of Colossians. So he starts out by, wives, submit yourselves to husbands that it's fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And you're like, okay, we're going there. That's where you're going to start at. Uh, he didn't finish there, ladies, okay. <laughs> All right, so don't just, just hold on a second because he's fixing to come right back with men and look at what he says there in verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. And so Paul is saying, look, guys, I want you to understand. Listen, wives, you're to submit. Husbands, you're to love. You're not supposed to take advantage of your wives, regardless of what the culture may see. Remember, women had no value during that time. Remember who he was talking to. He was talking to believers. And he was saying, regardless of what culture says, guys, this is what I want you to know. Women are to be valued. They're to be valued and they're to be loved. And children, he didn't leave you out either, because look at what he goes and said, and how many of us parents have used this verse in the past. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. I mean, how many of us, raise your hand, how many of you have heard this or used this at some point in time in your house? I think all of us have done this at some point in time. Don't you know what the Bible says? You're supposed to obey, the, obey your parents in the Lord. We've used that before. And then look at what he says, fathers. I know I've got this. My son sitting over here, he goes, well, I've, this is what I've said to you before, Dad. Fathers, do not aggravate, embitter, provoke, exasperate your kids, your children, or they will become discouraged. And, and my kids have used this on me before, okay? Say, so I've used the other one, and then they've used it on me. My wife has told me this before, because we never do this as parents, do we? Dan, you've never done this to the kids, right? It's natural. There's some tendencies, there's some tensions exist because we don't always do what we should do or supposed to do. And, and maybe you, you know what this is like. It's maybe you're, you didn't get treated like this as a parent, but maybe you've been exasperated or maybe you've been embittered or maybe you've been provoked by somebody that's been in a position over you. Maybe it's a, a boss or maybe it's a coworker, so you know what that feeling's like. And this is Paul 2,000 years ago writing to, to the church, to the believers there at Colossae in reference to the family. 
saying, I want you to understand that family matters and listen to the words. Again, it's, and these are practical applications. These four things, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Be understanding. Children, obey your parents. And fathers, don't irritate. I wonder why he didn't say women or mothers. Yeah. But I think it applies to both, don't you? I think it does. But as easy as this stuff sounds, it's not that easy. And that's why we're, we're going to be talking about this over the next several weeks as we talk about family matters, because it, it does. But even in the midst of, of chaos, that there's, there's hope. And I'm, I've been reminded, because I've been in several conversations this week where there's been chaos in, in the home. Um, and the thing that I have to be reminded that with Jesus, there's always hope. You know, some people say, well, there's just no hope. Don't you ever believe that because it's a life in the pits of hell? There's always hope. That's why we have Jesus. That's why we celebrate Easter. And there would be people that will be that might even say, you know, um, I don't think there's anybody that would that would say, you know, my pastor, my family's perfect, and I don't, I don't. There's not a need for for improvement because all of us, all of us have need for improvement because this is what I know. And I think you can identify me with me on this. What we see on social media is always not reality. That the smiles that we see on people's faces, those, those, those smiles that sometimes that we see, that behind those smiles, so many times there's pain and there's suffering and there's, there's hurt and there's regret. There's dysfunction and there's pain. See, because in, in relationships, there is the expectation of what we have, and then there's the reality of what, where we are and what happens. And in the midst of that, there, there's, there's that what's missing. And in that place of where something's mentioned, missing, there's a tension. There's a tension when things don't go the way that we think they should go. And Jesus didn't back off from pointing us to what was right and what was ideal, but in those moments that when we fell short, when we, when we would fall short of what the Scripture had to say, he didn't beat us to death. I mean, he didn't condemn us. But time and time again, we see in the Scriptures where Jesus pointed us to a standard, where to what the kingdom of heaven will look like, and he never backed off from that standard. As a matter of fact, what he did is he, he raised the standard. I mean, just look at the issue of forgiveness. I mean, any of us ever dealt with an issue of forgiveness that we didn't want to forgive? We became um, angry about something because somebody had hurt us, and how many of us are holding on to bitterness, and we refuse to forgive? But when Jesus was asked the question about forgiveness, I mean, here it was, and he said, you know, the person said, you know, seven times? You know, I can, maybe I can just forgive seven times, and then I'll be okay. Then I'll be justified to hold a grudge. But what, Jesus, what did Jesus say? No, no, no. Seven times 70, 70 times seven. He raised the bar. In other words, don't just keep track, but always position your heart to be ready to forgive. But we really don't want to hear that, do we? But isn't that right? I mean, think about adultery. I mean, in the book of Exodus, we see the law that commands, thou shalt not commit adultery. In the New Testament, when Jesus discussed adultery, man, he raised the bar. Because he said, listen, you talk about, listen, adultery is, is a sexual relationship outside. But let me say, if you've even looked on a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. 
And as the bar was raised and our sinfulness became more obvious and more evident, Jesus just didn't settle with the outward performance, but he sought to, uh, to expose the, the heart. The heart. And as the standard got higher and higher and higher, you know, what, what happened was that God's grace went further and further and deeper, Jim. And even though we struggled to keep that standard, God's love never wavered. Never wavered. And you may disagree, and I'll, I'll share a statement, and I think it's in your, in your notes, but it's just something to ponder for for a second. It's easy to give in to the temptation to settle for less than God's best and end up falling into a pattern of giving an appearance that things are a lot better off than what they really are. And instead of just facing the tension that's there, we run. That's what we do. I want to read a passage of Scripture today. This is one of those passages we might want to run from, and we're going to sit here just for a second, and I'm going to finish up. It's not a lot today. It's just an overview to bring some things to the surface. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture today in Matthew chapter 19. You might want to turn there and read along with me today. Because I want you to hear today. I don't want you to get caught up in the subject, but I want you to hear the heart of Jesus and what he has to say. And in Matthew chapter 19, this is what the scripture reads. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. And how many times do we see this in the scripture where the religious leaders would try to trap Jesus because they didn't like him? I mean, he was a threat to them. And so, so here it is. And it said, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? So here's the question. It's surrounding, it's centered around uh, divorce and marriage. And the question was, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Well, according to the law of Moses, it was lawful for a man to get a divorce from his wife for any reason. One of the things they were trying to do is they were trying to trap Jesus in a debate, an ongoing debate, that there were two different schools of thought. Jesus, what side of the fence do you stand on? I mean, on one side, divorce was permissible um, for, for any reason. In other words, a man could divorce his wife for whatever reason he wanted to because a woman didn't have any rights. On the other one, it was only permissible as a result of adultery. If a man didn't want to be married back then, a Jewish man in the Jewish community, he could offer his wife a writ of divorce. There wasn't anything she could do about it. I mean, she was out and gone. I mean, she was on the streets. Whatever belongings that she had, no fights, no questions, she was just out. But a woman couldn't divorce her husband because she didn't have any rights. So divorce was basically simple. Any reason. But the Pharisees heard that here's Jesus. He's teaching a little bit different. As a matter of fact, they thought it was different than the teachings of Moses. And so they're trying to discredit Jesus to bring him along. They're trying to corner him in this conversation. Because if he was from God, surely his teachings would line up with the teachings of Moses. Right? And look at how Jesus responded to their question in reference to divorce. Haven't you read the scriptures? I mean, you know them, don't you? I mean, you're the religious leaders. Jesus said, and they record, talking about the scriptures, that from the beginning, God made them, what did he make? Male and female. Be careful. Society's telling us different. Culture's telling us different. God created man and woman. God is the creator, and he doesn't make any mistakes. 
And he goes on to say in verse 5, this explains why a man should leave his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And some people would say, but yeah, but sometimes it just doesn't work out, Pastor Sid. And the question to begin begin with was, was it okay for a man to divorce his wife? And it's not an abnormal question within that culture. And it's not an abnormal question in today's culture. I I hear it all the time. This is a conversation that's had in and around culture. I mean, how long am I expected to continue to suffer and walk through the pain that I'm walking through? And Jesus didn't take them back to what Moses had to say, but he took them all the way back to the beginning. He said, listen, let's not deal with the issue of divorce because is divorce really the issue or is it God's design the issue? And he takes them all the way back to God's design for marriage. Because when we go all the way back, there's a tension that can service surface because things doesn't always go the way that we want them to go. Life doesn't always happen the way that we want it to happen. And Jesus says to the religious leaders, all right, guys, you're smart. You study the scriptures. You preach them. You talk about them. Let me just remind you. And again, he didn't go back to Moses, but he took them all the way back to Adam and Eve and God's ultimate design. And he said, listen, let's not talk about divorce because The question really isn't about divorce, but let's understand God's intent for marriage, that he created a man and a woman, two people, that they would get married and become one. And Jesus is implying that it's easy to come to conclusions based on our present circumstances and what culture says, but Jesus said, don't ask the wrong question. The real question is, when is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? It's not really that question, but the real question is, what's God's plan for marriage? Divorce wasn't even in that equation. Now, I, I loved what one pastor had to say um, when it came down to, to, to God's design for marriage. Two things. Number one, procreation. Amen? Let me say that one more time. Procreation. Amen? Okay, that... We need to have a, another talk instead. We'll have another talk after this talk, I guess. <laughs> the having of children. I, I love what this one pastor said. He said, in reference to procreation and having children, he said, God wants us to have a home full of ballistic missiles. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, I was, I, was, I was talking about that and sharing that with the first of us. I thought, man, that is a picture and a half to have. God wants us to have a home full of ballistic missiles that have been trained and equipped, ready to launch them out into a lost and hurting world to be a light in the darkness. Isn't that awesome? Yet how many times do we see our children as, a, as an inconvenience? How many times do we see our, our children as as something to have to deal with instead of a blessing. But God created marriage, number one, for procreation so that we could, we could have a home full of ballistic missiles. So that's what you need to think about from here on out. Man, I got a home full of ballistic missiles. Second thing, not only procreation, but illustration that the marriage itself would be an illustration of Christ's sacrifice for the church. That our our marriage relationship would be an illustration of love to the world, our lost and dying world of God's love, his unconditional love towards us. We talk about his 
plan, God's plan, his plan for marriage. And it would probably have been really good if they would have stopped right there, but they didn't stop there, but they, they fired off another question and look at what they asked next there in verse 7. Then why, why did Moses in the law say that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they ask. In other words, if all right, so I see that. I hear what you're saying. So then tell me why Moses did what he did. And look at what Jesus said. Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your, to your what? Hard hearts. Our sinfulness. But that's not what God had originally, had originally intended. God hates divorce. He hates divorce. And for some of us in this room and some listening to my voice, man, there's this tension because you've walked through a divorce. Somebody in your family's walked through a divorce. But God's not against you. No, it's God's not against you. It wasn't in God's original plan. And some people say, well, what in the world are we supposed to do now that we've walked through a divorce? We've experienced a divorce. And Jesus wouldn't do anything with you, but he would do something for you and for me. What he would do is he would willingly give his life away because there was a difference between where we were and where we are. And God's plan was much bigger than just staying married. You know, I, was, I had a conversation with somebody not long ago and they told me one of the saddest stories I think I've ever heard of a relationship for 70-something years. A man and woman had been together. And at the end when he died, it's after 70-something years of marriage, she found out that the 50-something years of their marriage, he had lived in infidelity, committing adultery. And they were good churchgoers. God's plan for marriage is much bigger than that. It's not just being able to check it off and say, we've been married 50 years. Might have been 50 years of hell. God's plan's bigger than that. Much bigger. And the tension we face in life and in our families, are, are we going to embrace the teachings of Jesus? Are we going to try to develop our own plan? Are we going to try to redefine marriage so that it's, it fits what I think and what I feel? Or, I'm going to or am I going to hold on? But this is what I want you to hear as we walk through this series, is that family matters. It matters. Your marriage matters, our marriage matters, our children matters, it matters. And instead of us making excuses for the past and the way things have been, instead of wanting to run and go hide and, or whatever, is it possible that as we walk through these next several weeks, instead of wanting to run, that we can face those tensions and difficulty and lean into Jesus? That's all I'm asking. You know, the question we're going to have to answer is, am I willing to accept the plans that God has and seek to live for him, or am I going to continually adjust things so that I can just feel better? Man, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a church that just has a bunch of good selfies. Does that make sense? There are some professional selfies, you know. But how many times behind that smile and behind that laughter is their pain and their suffering? I don't know of a single mom or dad that I can think of in the conversations that I've had that have walked through the pains of the divorce would wish that on their children. I don't know it. I have not found them. 
but it's just the opposite. But what do we do when life isn't going as planned? The only thing I want us to do is, is man, let's not lose sight of what God's word says and to, and to, la- and to latch onto it and to hold onto it because family matters. I want us to be able to be a church that, that, that faces the tensions that exist and hold on to God's word because it's right and it's true. Let's not spend the next six or, six or eight weeks rehashing the past. Listen, if, if that's you and you're in that place, man, I've got some people that I'd love to sit and talk with you and let's talk about the past, but I don't want to sit down and rehash the past. Let's talk more about the future and where you're headed. You know, instead of trying to cover up and make excuses, why don't we stand and confront the past, acknowledge our sin, not make excuses, but be willing to go before the Lord and say, Jesus, help me. Because, see, I know you because I look in my own life and there are things in my life I look back, I, could, I wish I could go back and take back. I wish I could have some do-overs. But I can't. I can't do that. I want you to hear what I'm telling you. As we make it through this time, it wouldn't surprise me at some point you end up dealing with some emotions of a past choice or past decision. But again, I don't want us to wallow in it. I just want us to understand that family matters. That family is a huge deal, regardless of what you might think or what you might feel or what you might be experiencing at this moment. You know, you might be a teenager that's here and you're going, ah, this doesn't really apply to me. This is a big deal for you. Because a lot of the mistakes that I made, I made in my teenage years. It's probably the same for some of you. It's a whole lot bigger deal than what you may, you may think. And the decisions that you make right now, right now, have the ability to not only change the direction of your future and your eternity, but it has the ability to alleviate an awful lot of pain and suffering, guilt, and shame. So don't think that what we're going to talk about over these next few weeks don't apply to you, because they do. For the adult man that's been struggling with things just aren't going the way that you want them to go, my prayer is that you won't be discouraged in the midst of this time. But you would hold on and not be willing to settle for less than what God's best is. That you would lean in regardless. That you would understand in the midst of all of this that God is trustworthy. You know, Travis was pretty honest last week, don't you think? For those of you that heard his testimony, you need to go back and hear his testimony. And he said this, he said, I'm not through all of this stuff. He said, I'm still trying to work through it. But we have to understand that the past has a way of impacting our future. It just depends on how we want to handle it. We can see it, Jim, in the light of Jesus, or we can see it in the light of what my feelings are and what I want and what pleases me. But I want to pray for you today because I know that there's all kinds of tensions that are going to be experienced. And my only prayer as we walk over these next several weeks, my prayer is that, is that as we walk through God's word and as we, we cultivate some of this ground where tensions can exist, that we don't have to be afraid. And there's, there's some of you that are want to get up and run and say, I'm just not coming back for the next six or eight weeks because I, I just can't deal with the, the pain. Trust me. Trust me. Trust God. Our time over the next six or eight weeks talking about family could be the most 
life rearranging moment in your life to this point if you're willing to hold on to what scripture says so I, I want to pray with us as we get ready to close out today and um, and for those of you that are that are here that are in the midst of a mess right now I just want to say again number one family's a huge deal number two I want you to know that there's hope there's hope not because your situation changes a little bit and relieves a little tension, but there's hope because of Jesus. Because when Jesus is involved, things change. They change. Would you pray with me today? Father, These our times are going to be emotional over the next several weeks. And, and uh, there are some that are here that are so thankful for their family of origin. And... Uh, on the other hand, there's some that wish that they could have to do over. Maybe it's marriage, parenting. Maybe it's their, their childhood growing up. But whatever, life has just been much a, nothing more than a mess. It's been chaotic. For others, there are people that are just grateful that things have been as good as they have been. But regardless of where we may find ourselves today, this is what I, I want us to understand. Either if we haven't been through a mess, there's, a, there's probably a time that we're going to face that. God, how are we going to face it? We can either face being angry or mad, thinking that you're, you're just, you don't like us, or you're angry with us, and that's not, that's not true. But Father, I pray that as we walk through this series that we're going to hear your voice and we're going to recognize and hold on to your love and your grace and your mercy. I'm praying today that people that are listening to my voice, that we would recognize that we, we have the privilege of doing it different. That we have the privilege of being a generation that does things right. Regardless if we're struggling with a second, a third, or fourth marriage, or we're not even married. That we have the privilege to do things your way. For the teenagers that's here today that's struggling with rebellion to recognize that, God, you instituted the family and you instituted that authority for a specific reason. And if they can't learn to submit to a parent that is in that position of authority, how can they ever learn to submit to a God that loves us unconditionally? How will they ever be able to learn to submit to a, to a, to a boss one day that they have to say yes, sir, and no, sir, too? Help us to understand that you design things with a plan and that your plan, and in your plan, you have a great purpose. Father, would you allow us as a community of believers as we walk through this, this season, that regardless of where we find ourselves, to acknowledge our sinfulness, to not dwell on the past of yesterday, but Father, to acknowledge our selfishness and our sin and discover your grace and your truth. Father, I pray that you would Help us to hold on regardless of what the past may hold. That we would recognize the future, the potential of what it looks like when we completely surrender ourselves to you. And for the person that may be here today, I pray that we would understand that our hope doesn't come because of our abilities or because of the person that we're married to or the goodness of our kids. But Father, our hope comes in, in a relationship with Jesus Christ to come to fill the gap, to cover the sin, our sinfulness, our brokenness, 
And if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, the start of a the start of recognizing the importance of family begins, Lord, when we come to submit ourselves to you. Recognizing that you gave your life so that we can become your children, joint heirs with Jesus. Father, I pray for our homes. I pray for those today that may be at that place of making a decision of trusting him with their life today would be willing to do so. Father, I pray today that as we walk out these doors, we'd be very sensitive, Father, to the things that are going on around us and recognize again that family does matter. It's important. And if we're in the midst of that, if we're in the midst of that chaos, not to run from it, but, Father, to run to you and to hold on to your word. Thank you for the privilege we have of being your representatives. Jesus, use us. Help us to live and to leave a heritage of faith as we're your ambassadors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.